Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. WBZ, your day talking. We're live midnight to five. Bradley J with you for night number two this week. And tonight we're talking about the Boston Wounded Vets Run. And with us again is Andy Biggio, who is the president of said Boston Wounded Vets Run. Come here and remind us about it, update us on it, and uh, give the details and just hang out. Thanks for coming in, Andy. Thanks for having me another year in a row. Absolutely. So what's the date? Any changes to the? Well, actually, we should probably outline what the Boston Wounded Vets Run is, what it has been, any changes this year. And again, we have an hour long, so feel free to give the hyper-detailed answer. Nope. It's my uh, first radio interview of the uh, season of the – we're going on nine years now. Wow. Um, helping New England severely wounded veterans. Uh Completely 100% proceeds going to them. And, um, yeah, what it is, it's 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 what it says it is. It's the Boston's Wounded Vet Run, run being a motorcycle run, not actually a road race. But uh, nine years ago, I got back from my second tour in Afghanistan and noticed some of my, you know, friends and other ser- fellow service members were not getting the particular... Uh, services they needed after being severely wounded, um, i.e. limb loss from Iraq and Afghanistan. And I decided to do a motorcycle charity ride for one particular uh, soldier. And little did I know it was in a snowball nine years later to thousands of participants helping different wounded veterans every single year. Tell me about the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, for those who remember it, is was for Corporal Vincent Mannion Brodeur. Uh, Vinny... Is his first name. He was from uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and while serving in Iraq, uh, they were searching an insurgent's house. It was booby trapped. The whole house exploded, collapsed on him and his squad leader. His squad leader was killed in action, and Vincent had such a traumatic brain injury they had to replace his whole skull with plastic. They had to remove the frontal lobe of his brain, and uh, you can imagine what that does to a, uh, uh, I want to say a man, but really he was only 20 two years old and it changed his life forever to the point where his both of his parents had to take care of him for the rest of his life and I met him at uh, a veterans event at Fenway Park in 2009 I asked his father if I could do a motorcycle run for him a ride because I rode and that was something I thought maybe I could help him with once I found out the the VA wouldn't pay for a new roof on his house or a new walkway and 
Lo and behold, 300 motorcycles showed up to ride for Vinny that year. So, 300. The only 300, yep. <laughs> Still, 300 a lot. Yep. For the first time. It was. No yep. one had really ever heard of it before. Nope, no one heard of it. I just posted pictures of Vinny on a poster and said, please come ride for this soldier. Please come ride for this soldier. And I had no experience. I was a new Harley rider myself at the time. And 300 people showed up. And they believed in me, and those 300 people have come back every year, but it's multiplied times. Jeez, I don't know. I'm telling you, we've had up to 7,000 people at this event now. Where was the first run? Where did it go? The, f the first ride, we, we started it at Boston Harley-Davidson, which at that time was in Everett, Massachusetts. And we ended it at my veterans post, which was the Italian-American War Veterans in Maverick Square in East Boston, which is not a lot of room to ride or move around, but that's what we were given. That's what we... The card I dealt, that's it was free. It was I started this grassroots with nothing. And now we're at the point where we're getting recognized by the two different US presidents. We're getting gigantic donations. Um and we're helping not just one veteran who we Vinny was the was the honoree the first year and he was the only honoree, one veteran. We're helping five wounded veterans now each ride each year. Up to up to almost thirty thousand dollars in income, assets, and vehicle needs, transportation needs, recreational needs, housing needs. So, did you ride bikes before you rode Harleys? Uh, this is an aside. Did you did you start out on a Harley Davidson? Uh, I started off on a uh, <laughs> a Ninja Kawasaki Ninja as a sport bike when I was like eighteen in high school. Um, my friends on. Revere Beach, that kind of thing. I went away in the Marines. I got out. I kind of started to identify more with the Harley crew. And I bought a Fat Boy in 2009, 10, maybe. And that was the bike I started the Wounded Vet ride with. You still with. have that one? No. That, if I had enough play money and things like that, I would have hung that from my ceiling because that was the bike I started the ride with. But I traded it in for another bike and... That's okay. What did you trade? I'm just curious. Yeah, I went to a road glide, which every Harley rider who's listening to this knows how it goes. You start off with a smaller bike, and then a year or two later, you want to upgrade to a bagger, something with saddlebags, a fairing, so you can do more long-distance riding with, and that's what I did. I went up to a road glide. I had that road guide for about five years. and um, now, how, Where does a heritage fit into that uh, It's in between. Line. In between. It's, it's, it's a middle bike. A lot of people will, some people will stick with it because with the Heritage, you can put a windshield on it. You can have saddlebags. I, I rented a Heritage. I never owned one, but at least I got the feel of it. Yeah, it's a soft tail. So so what's the route? And if you don't ride, what do you? where do you go? The, like route, the route will be on uh, www.theyfoughtweride.com. Uh, it goes through various uh, towns. Uh, it's leaving the Harley-Davidson uh, in Revere. And it's ending up at Anthony's in Malden, as against Suffolk Downs, right. which it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony's in Malden. Anthony's in Malden. There's going to be big outdoor setup and uh, entertainment. So you're going to sell uh, the stuff to buy there, too. Yep. Food, lunch, leather goods. You know, leather goods. We have a gentleman who makes his own wallets Bradley and Jay's handbags. And goods. Bradley J is going to be. Uh, you have to see them before you allow me in. This to he's make sure be they're pioneering good his is jump starting his leather Limited company edition. at the Boston Wood Event Run, 105 <laughs> Canal Street, Anthony's in Malden. You never know. If you're a true listener, Collectors. you have to have the unique Bradley, Bradley J. J wallet. Well, that's very kind of you. And the belts. 
and the belts <laughs> and the handbags, the change purses and the fanny packs. Oh, Coming soon. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this year's recipients, mm-hmm. Andy. Yep. Tell me about them. You know, it doesn't get easier talking about these guys because the wounds are uh, are so severe, uh, especially this year. It kills me to say that, uh, you know, only two of our recipients, excuse me, actually, only one of our recipients is walking of the five, and that uh, breaks my heart to actually say that. But uh, it's just the way it is. It's the injuries they have. Um, Corey Remsburg was an Army Ranger. Um Multiple tours, Iraq, Afghanistan, really an elite warrior. Uh, he was actually recognized by President Obama in the 2009 State of the Union. Some people may remember that. Mm-hmm. Some people may not. And uh, he was, you know, uh, got injured by an improvised explosive device in Afghanistan. And he has the similar injury as I talked about Vinny having the first year, the first wounded vet run. Frontal lobe damage. Most of the skull replaced with plastic. Um, he's bound to a wheelchair. His father does, you know, pick him up, carry him around, that kind of thing. Uh, Jared Lucy was a U.S. Marine. He got uh, injured in Iraq in 2007. Uh, both his legs were amputated from an improvised explosive device. We have J.D. Williams. He was a U.S. Army sniper. Triple amputee, unfortunately. Lost an arm and both legs. Afghanistan. Paul Gardner um, took an enemy round through the spine. He is paralyzed from the waist down. And our other recipient, who is the one being able to walk, luckily, um, is Hunter Jocelyn. He is the youngest honoree we've ever honored at 20 years old. He was shot three times in Afghanistan just this summer by an insider attack. And uh, he's trying to get use back of his fingers. He was shot in the arm and stuff, but... I, you know, I plan on mentioning this at the ride, but he was only two years old when 9-11 happened. And now he's got wounded in Afghanistan this summer. It just goes to show you how long the wars have been going on and that the guys are still getting wounded over there. It's just, it's mind-blowing that this kid who's not even old enough to drink is going to be walking across that stage to be an honoree at the vet run. It is mind-blowing how long those conflicts go on because World War II was a, frax- mm-hmm. a fraction of that. Mm-hmm. And... One thing that's special about what you do is there are specific people getting specific help. Can you, is it okay to talk about what you're doing for each of these folks? Sure. Um, a lot of people don't, they may realize that they may not. Once you have amputations, or especially if you're paralyzed from the waist down, I mean, living in New England is a challenge. Snow, ice, salt. I mean, some of these guys, if they slip and hit their head, they're dead especially with the surgeries they've had, the cranium replacement surgeries they've gone on. I mean, every day is a risk to them, especially in the winter. Uh, A lot of these guys have been relocating down south, Florida, buying homes. We're helping a lot of guys get reestablished down south, put down payments on homes, redo homes down in Florida, put in heated driveways, buy them brand new cars, and um, I mean, then we get... Hunter Jocelyn, who I mentioned, is the youngest recipient. He's 20 years old with a daughter and a wife. I mean, he's going to be getting out of the military early, and we're going to be there to have a fund for him to set up to also get a down payment on a house and make sure he's established. And this, what happened to him doesn't affect him for the rest of his life because, mind you, P 
people were actually killed in his insider attack, but he actually got, he lived. So um, that's just some of the things, without getting in too depth, that we're doing with the money. And obviously everyone knows previously recreational needs. We build them trikes. We buy them brand new cars. We redo their houses. We'll buy them ATVs, pay off their debt that they collected while they were injured. Uh, you name it. We, we That's why I like my organization. We do things a lot of other organizations don't do or are afraid to do. And the biker community backs us on all of our decisions. So you are a 5013C that people can donate? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. to take the tax whack? Oh, yeah. Yep. Good to know. Our tax ID number is on www.theyfoughtweride.com. On our homepage, you'll see our nonprofit number. We've been a nonprofit for six years now. So. And you uh, can just donate right directly Yeah, from you can online. donate right online. Okay. Theyfoughtweride.com. This stuff costs money, obviously. So, folks, I, I know that many of you like to do something. You can certainly just donate, but it'd be cool to come out and meet Andrew, John, and come out and hang out. What is How are the recipients doing from last year? Great question. Not a lot of people ask me that. In nine years, we're up to about, I think, 60 or so veterans that we've helped in New England alone. And it's awesome to see them come back all these years to the next year's ride. Because some of them don't ride. Most of them don't ride motorcycles. But I'll, Brian Johnston was a recipient last year. He lost an arm and a leg in Fallujah. He flies into Boston now to go to our hockey tournaments, to attend the rides, to anything. We, I mean, it's like these guys have developed new families working with us. Um, one particular person who is on his way to being a doctor was Greg Galeazzi was a recipient last year. He lost both of his legs in Afghanistan with severe damage to his right arm. He's on his way to being a a pediatrician. He's been at BU Medical School. And uh, so that's just some of the updates on some of the guys doing awesome. So you sort of treat this like a reunion as well? You don't really need to have another reunion because this is the reunion? Well, I'll tell you right now, this is year nine. Year 10, I'm inviting back every wounded veteran that we've helped since year one on one stage 10 years and that's going to be epic so you're going to be able to use some of the funds to fly them in if they need it absolutely we're already doing that uh jay in um nine years of doing this in in new england we've helped almost i'm not gonna say every almost every severely wounded veteran from iraq and afghanistan in new england we're missing some guys who we will make up for for next for the 2020 run. But by 2020, we've helped every severely wounded veteran in New England. Amazing. So I've already started flying in honorees from Kentucky, Nebraska, Houston, Texas. It, uh, there's no point in me going out there to start a, a Kentucky wounded vet run when I have the support, the base here, to fly these kids up and get the resources right. they're not going to get in ne- Nebraska, Kentucky, Wisconsin, you know, so they're actually going to become uh, recipients in Boston because mm-hmm. you'll soon have all the severely wounded vets taken care of in New England. In New England, mm-hmm. that is uh, something. Now, what do you do on the day of? Tell me about your day, day of run. It's very busy for you. <laughs> I of course, anxiety the man, already. Every, you're mm-hmm. the man. Everyone comes looking for you. Where's right. Andy? Where's Andy? This year is different. Um, Usually I'm there at 7 in the morning at the Harley-Davidson dealership, yeah. painting the picture with my head, hanging posters, flyers, imagining everything. This year's different. We have the most 
VIPs we've ever had coming to this year's event. I have to be at the hotels this year at 10 a.m. to make sure everyone's getting situated in the vehicles they're supposed to be in. I have Navajo Code Talkers coming. I have James McClugan, who got the Medal of Honor in Vietnam after saving 10 comrades coming. And the Grand Pumbaa, the guest speaker, is Navy SEAL Robert O'Neill, who killed Osama bin Laden. He is the keynote speaker of the run this year. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Plus, I have all the five wounded veterans, their family members. It's uh, it's just going to be a big, you know, to-do getting everyone in the procession to get to Harley and having... Five, six thousand people swamp them all at once. Do you ever think about getting somebody to do the hard work that day, so you can just kind of meet and greet somebody you trust, or you just you don't no, think it, you couldn't delegate that? I couldn't even delegate it. If you want something done right, done right, you got to do it yourself. But let me say this: I have awesome volunteers who would die for me in the organization, and they're the best. But at the end of the day, sometimes, as you may know, you 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 are the one that has to be there. You're the one people are looking for to for information. You coming back? You're gonna come back yes, on stage cool. and get well, up well, there. Well, I'll get on stage. Get I'm, I'm, I'm not a DJ anymore. Do some MC. Whatever you want, but I just can't. He's a Leatherman. Yeah. I'm a Leatherman. I, <laughs> I need to make holsters, but that's another go. whole thing. He should have been, uh, you know, out in the uh, the shit. West being a. Uh, He's got it a in A trapper him. for He's the leather and his furs. He's got and some of that blood. Back in the day. You know, I'm from New Hampshire. When I, when, yeah. when I was, it was pretty wild up there. Yeah. So it's um, WBZ. And we're, I want to remind you, we're talking with Andy Biggio and his cohort, John Graham. And we're talking about the Boston Wounded Vets Ride number nine, correct? Yes, sir. And that's going to be, I really want to make sure everybody knows the date, time, the place, and you don't have to ride to do it. Of course, if you do ride, it's big. But it's going to go from and to and when again, Andy? May 19th, Boston Harley-Davidson is our rally point, and we're going to Anthony's in Malden. Plus. You know, if you don't have a motorcycle, you can join us right at Anthony's and meet some of these cool VIPs I just mentioned and uh, donate to the Wounded Vets. So right what are there. some of the stuff going on there? I know that you're going to have oh, yeah. grilled chicken and stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember I mean, that. It, for 20 bucks, you're getting a free meal. <laughs> you get to see the Navy SEAL who eliminated Osama bin Laden, the yeah. world's most dangerous terrorist. Um, you're going to get to get food, see ceremonies, see history, American history. But more than that, we also have vendors. Yeah. Um, we have vendors that you know, we have other veterans organizations. We have, uh, you know, if you have kids, we have a bouncy house. We have. I'll go in the bouncy house myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you have stuff, to, a lot of stuff on sale. It's cool. You do have people that make. Biker wallets, biker, biker stuff, biker yep. headgear. Yep. A lot of bike-oriented yep. stuff. Yeah, and I'm excited for you to come down and bring some of your uh, your key. Maybe. Uh, I mean, if I, if not. We know you have a stockpile at your house. You're ready, I do you're ready have to... a stockpile, actually. It's time. Because I just enjoy doing it. it right. One thing that's interesting is I look at the stockpile, as you can see, the beginning ones, which are meh, to the, mm -hmm. the more recent ones, the more recent ones, which are great. So we're talking with Andy Biggio, Boston Wounded Vets Run, and his pal, my pal, John Graham here. About the Wounded Vet Run. Do me a favor and use your powers of your radio 
excellence to paint the picture of what at least what it looked like at the last event. It's fun when you actually you know this was the, the one I went to was at Suffolk Downs, so it will look different. But I rem let's talk about first the, all the bikes coming in. How many bikes tend to come in, and what it feels like? We're looking at over five thousand motorcycles this year, and just picture the roar of thousands of engines, and they are escorting five severely wounded veterans who were wounded in service to their country, who sacrificed their limbs for us. And we are giving them the proper welcome home that they'll never forget. And when we do roll into Anthony's and Malden, there's going to be people waving flags, greeting them, waving, clapping, and they'll never forget it. It will never erase the pain of being maimed for life, but it will open their eyes to we appreciate their sacrifice. I remember at Suffolk Downs, of course, they had a giant parking lot. Does this new place have a giant parking lot too? It sure does. And, and you know, at Suffolk Downs has been awesome to us for eight years. And what happened was they just, they're doing as much live racing as possible in the month of May before they officially close themselves. Anthony's, the city of Malden, has given us all of Canal Street, the parking lots at the Cambridge Health Alliance, wide open, giant parking lots, same, just as big as Suffolk Downs. And then Anthony's outdoors, the parking lot there is going to be where our stage is set up. Grills, beer tents, vendors, ceremony. And what time does this, what time do the people start, do the bikes start pulling in generally? To Anthony's around 2 o'clock. Okay. We'll leave it Harley around 12.30. And once they start rolling in, brrr, all roaring and loud and proud, about how long does it take for all 5,000 bikes to park? Park. An hour, you know. <laughs> It's pretty, it's something. And I like to get there early, like to get there, you know, as the guys are almost leaving, because you get to check in, get your ticket, yep. you get the vibe of the layout, and then you get to see all these bikes come in at the end, and it's just like rolling thunder. One thing that's fun really is to see is. each, all the people on the bikes, because they're in a good mood, they're waving, they're wearing cool costumes. Beeping the horn. To, to, yeah, to look at each individual roll in. You can kind of look at all 5,000, actually more than 5,000 people, because some bikes had more than one person on it. So there's a lot of people going to be involved. Yep, always is. Then, what happens after that? We'll allow people to, to roll in, get situated, get their hamburger, hot dog, which is included in their, you know, their entry-free. We'll get all the wounded vets in the back room, start letting them eat, let them relax a little bit. We'll let the politicians take the stage first, usually the governor, the local mayor. Um, this will be Mayor Christensen in the city of Malden this year. Governor Baker, State Rep. Paul Donato. Boncourt always comes. Uh, yeah, we're out of his district now. Oh, Talk right in the microphone there, John. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Your voice is big, but I hear you. not that big. And then starts the show. Um, the first person that's going to speak, he's not only going to speak, but he's going to sing the national anthem with the Congressional Medal of Honor around his neck. It's James, James McLugan. He was a private first-class Army medic who dragged 10 other soldiers to safety after being wounded himself and was not granted the Medal of Honor until 50 years later by President Trump, acknowledged him and gave him the Medal of Honor. So he also sings. So he's going to sing the national anthem and then go right into his speech. Um, he'll, come, he'll come off, the color guards will march away, all the vets will be on stage still, and I'll start to introduce some of our World War II veterans. I'll say a few words naturally about each veteran, tell their biography, and then we'll 
introduce the keynote speaker. Okay, and the keynote, tell, tell us about the keynote guy again. The keynote speaker is just no big deal, you know. He's just the uh, career Navy SEAL who is responsible for firing the fatal shots that killed Osama bin Laden. He was in the right place at the right time and did the, did the right job. However, all those Navy SEALs could have done it. They're all, and, and all, and all Marines and all people in the service are, you know, need to, to get a tip of the cap. Mm-hmm. Not just him. I know, I know what you're trying to say. He yep. did a special thing, but they're all special. Yep. Now, tell me about the rifle. This is something new. Mm-hmm. The rifle, in quotes, mm-hmm. the rifle. Well, the off-season of the last, between the last Wounded Vet run and this Wounded Vet run, I I acknowledge the importance to that I realized that we were losing 1,000 World War II veterans a day. Right now, your standard World War II veteran, if you're lucky enough to find one, uh, was 18 during World War II, so that would put them about 93 to 94 years old right now. That's the youngest you could possibly have been if you saw combat in World War II, between 93 and 94. I purchased an M1 Grand Rifle, which was the standard rifle of that time, of that era, between 1941 and 1945. That was the rifle that was issued to all infantrymen and servicemen who were going to use a rifle during the war, and I decided to travel the country and have different World War II veterans sign their name to this rifle. I interviewed them, and I wrote a book called The Rifle, which is interviewing America's last World War II veterans. And really, the whole premise of the book is a message to younger veterans and non-veterans on how to live a successful life after combat, because these men did it. They're in their 90s. They saw the worst, the worst. They were able to have lives, careers. And before you leave, can you tell us how you did it and how we should do it? Now, you're a vet yourself. Mm -hmm. And you, more than anyone else, has interacted with many, many vets, Mm -hmm. some severely wounded. Did you learn anything talking to these vets that you hadn't quite understood before talking to these vets, these old World War II vets? Any new lessons for you? Oh, man. We could talk a whole episode (laughs) on that. But I noticed that there almost is no difference between the common veteran today as there was in World War II minus the stipulation of the wars we fought in. There's, the wars are certainly different. Um, but at the end of the day, when, when bullets fly, kill people, you see dead people, you see blown up people, you see dying people, it's really no difference whether it's a dead Afghan or a dead German civilian or a French civilian from World War II. What the matter is is why that person's dead and how it's going to affect you for the rest of your life and why that happened. I think a lot of the World War II veterans, no, I don't think I know, they had all the backing in the world. They had parades coming home. They had movies. They were No matter what you were, whether you were a cook or you were a B-17 pilot, you were a hero in World War II. Uh, everyone had a story to tell. Uh, there was no way to tell if somebody was lying about a story or anything like that. It just came home and you were John Wayne, really. That's not really the case anymore. Um, and so I think that's where the discrepancies and the differences and the um, profiling happens with civilians, you know, um, where they say, you know, the World War II veterans were the greatest generation and these guys are the, hey, why is your war going on so long generation? <laughs> And uh, 
it's all what happens after and how you handle yourself that kind of makes the differences between each veteran. So. I don't know what you spoke about with these soldiers, these vets. But did you, they? Many of them have lived with PTSD of a long time, and and I'm guessing some successfully having lived that That's long. Right. Mm -hmm. Did you learn anything about how to deal with that in the long term? Speaking to these guys. Yeah, I mean, there was one veteran who I really got bonded with. His name was Bernie Ruchin. Bernie survived the Battle of Saipan, which was the U.S. Marines versus the Empire of Japan on this island in the Pacific. And it also was the largest bunzai charge of the entire war. It was 2,000 Japanese soldiers with little to no ammo charging the Marine Corps' lines with swords, bayonets, 2,000. How many, do you know how many Marine Corps were there? The Marines got overrun. Completely overrun all the way back to the artillery batteries where the artillery batteries had to forward their cannons and shoot at point blank at the waves of Japanese that were coming over. Bernie survived that bunzai charge. Um, and he went on to become a New York State trooper after the war. I also became a police officer after my Marine Corps experience. Now, let's get this straight. I wasn't in the Battle of Saipan. But I took a special bonding to him because we tend to have this mentality where, well, if you're a veteran with PTSD, you shouldn't be a cop and carry a gun. Well, let me tell you something about Bernie Ruchin. He did it. He bayoneted a Japanese square in the chest, killed him in a fighting hole, and was able to live a long, successful life as a New York State trooper afterwards. And he told me that, um, you know, you shouldn't plateau in the military. You're not going to, excuse me, you're not going to peak in the military. Like, life goes on. Be a survivor, not a victim. So go on, start a family, buy a house, get a job, keep your mind off it, move on to the next thing. Your, your mind should be f focused on your new job after the military and your new life because just because something happened to you, you shouldn't be fall victim to it forever. You got to be a survivor. You only have one life. So let the enemy... You, you can't let the enemy defeat you continuously on and on and on. And that's the way he put it. And, you know, he started telling me about all different perpetuations for weaknesses between minds. And, and boy, he struck home with me. And I always, I wrote a nice long chapter about him in my book, The Rifle. And so this book is, uh, this is kind of a first announcement of this book. Or, or, it really is, Jay. So thanks. <laughs> And it's called. It's going to be called the rifle. The rifle. When and it gets when it gets mm -hmm. done, I hope you come over and we'll we'll plug it. You, I'd, you I'd love to. It. You know, I could talk about it for for days. And, and have you, you know, already done all the interviews for it? I have. About how many would there? There's um, about ninety two interviews. Thirty of them are in the book. All ninety veterans are are mentioned, but thirty of them are the, are the ones I had. I thought I could send a message with their stories. And don't get me wrong, these these World War II veterans had PTSD. Of course, it wasn't recognized, but a lot of guys came home, they drank themselves to death. Um, they whacked their spouses around. That was domestic violence was, you know, you looked the other way back then with police departments, and I had old-time police officers telling me that as well. Um, there was suicide. There was all that stuff we have now. It just wasn't as publicized. If someone killed themselves back then, you just didn't talk about it, you know. And any idea how long it'll take to get this thing out, this book? <clears throat> the manuscript's done. It's edited. The interviews are done. It's a magnificent writing that I've shared with multiple best-selling military authors. 
and it's all up to the publishing company now. Um, I'd like to get it expedited considering I've already had 20 men I've interviewed pass away, and I don't. I want these men that are alive to see the finished product. I okay. don't want them all to be dead before the books. The, the, At least they know you're doing the book, right? They all they know, know what's going to happen. I mail them letters. They they still write to me on Sundays. I still visit some of them. Uh, some of them are out of state. I have multiple Medal of Honor recipients in the book. Um, you must but, have a lot of friends. I do, and it sucks now because when they pass away, you lose a friend right. and a brother you spent hours and days with. So we have one more short segment, and I want to talk about your new job. I think that's cool. It's WBZ. Jay talking. Bradley Jay. WBZ News Radio 1030. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Do you want to talk? About what? I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Okay, talk. Jay talking with Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. WBZ will continue with our guest. Andy Biggio, who's here to talk about the Boston Wounded Vets ride and uh, related stuff. Let's, once again, promote the event because that's the most important thing to raise money for the Wounded Vets. It's uh, May 19, and it goes from? Boston Harley-Davidson to Anthony's of Malden. What time at Boston Harley-Davidson? And that's, that's Kick it. stands up at 12.30, but you should probably be there way before then if you even want to ride in the run. And be that, there. That other big voice with John Graham. Who's a friend of Andy's and uh, a friend of mine. It's only natural he comes in. John's been in with Andy now every time that he comes in. Four years. So now you also have a new job. I'm very curious about it. You're, congratulations to you. You are a police officer. Yes. Yes. Going on uh, five years in August. So tell me about the process of becoming a police officer. And how it might be different for you being a vet. Is it easier, more difficult? You no, I, I you gotta, look at things a different I gotta way. I got to be honest with you. You have that mentality like I'm going to walk on the walk in the police academy. I'm a Marine and I'm going to do amazing. And But believe it or not, it's a different world. It's, it's a different world. Everything now is not kill, 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 destroy, destroy, destroy. I mean, these are American people you're working with here. And you need to become one with the community and not the warrior mentality is gone. It's, you got to let it go. Do they tell you that up front? Hey, kid, we know you're a Marine, but 
Well, you're going to have to lose. I was them. lucky enough. I attended the MBTA Transit Police Academy, and my instructors were all veterans. Yeah. And they did get that in your head. And they said, listen, this isn't scream, 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 point fingers, yell. You, This is normal people who have never served in the military that you're dealing with, and you want them to become your friends. They're not going to understand the brute force of the military. And it's 100% right. Now, sometimes my experience as a Marine comes in great handy. Um, but other times, I mean, you're you got to sit there and be a verbal punching bag until it's your turn to negotiate. So you come from a drill sergeant world, mm-hmm. and people respond to the drill sergeant demeanor, and they tell you it's not that world anymore. You can't you can't speak to people like right a, a, a drill instructor. Correct. And yep, it's true. Do they it's teach true. you how to inter- interact? How to actually interact? Oh yeah, we have some of the last month of the police academy is role-playing you know you have police officers that pretend to be civilians and you're going on calls and they they test you every which way um and then of course you then do a ride along for three months with an officer after the six month police so you're in the police academy for six months a half a year and then you get out and then you still have to ride with another patrol a real police officer for three months and then you're on a probationary period for a year and Massachusetts does really good training police officers, you know, compared to the rest of the country, I, I truly believe. And uh, we have a, a lot of our police officers are educated here with bachelor's degrees. I have a master's degree. Um, it is great going on calls where people try to insult you like you're dumb. You never graduated high school, I bet. And really, they have no idea they're talking to a Marine Corps veteran with a master's degree and starts his own nonprofit. And, but uh, I'm okay with that because I love what I do. And so you deal with jerks, and then you deal with amazing people, and you meet great people too on the on the on the job every day. What do people not understand about what you have to put up with as a police? I'm officer? telling you right now, I've worked in the private world, the public world, the business world, the military world, bachelor's degree, master's degree. Being a police officer is the hardest, the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Harder mm-hmm. than Iraq, harder than Afghanistan. It's just, it is. It's you are a social worker, a psychologist, an elderly, you know, caretaker. You're a child caretaker. You're traffic enforcement. You're taking away people's freedom if you have to arrest them, and you're a peacekeeper. You're you're you are try to be everything. There's not enough training in the world until you actually get years of experience under your belt, and. Police officers are not always right. We're human like everyone else. Um, but when a police officer somewhere in this country makes a mistake, we all feel it. And uh, it's the hardest It's the hardest thing I ever did, but I love it, and I ain't giving up anytime soon. I don't think people understand the degree to which you have to deal with, and you don't have to say this, I'll say it, the seedy underbelly of society. I kind of get it because mm-hmm. I worked in the emergency department overnight. Mm-hmm. And the people that show up are, you know, it's you don't deal with the, the upper crust a lot of times. I mean, people are a lot of times on drugs, they're drinking, they're mm-hmm. just not the best folks. Nope. And so when they, when you do run into somebody that's perfectly above board, people don't understand why you may be a little bit... Intense. Intense, because they don't know that you're a regular person. The police don't often don't know that you're not one of the usual kind of folks they have to deal with. And I've caught myself being high strung like that. I was 
a year ago around this time I was a, I was brutally attacked at Back Bay Station. I was bit in the head twice. Um, no one knows this besides my close friends. Um, I had a guy fight me. He bit into my skull. I had to get four staples in my head. He bit me twice in the head to resisting arrest. I didn't deserve that. Um, he wasn't even in that much of a trouble. And a week later, you know, I was very edgy. People who make it simple mistakes were now getting an attitude from me. Yep. I was that cop. I was that jerk, that a-hole cop now. How long yeah. were you that cop? And how did you I snapped become out of it. not that cop? I snapped out of it because it, you know, I caught myself cursing at a, uh, there was a bunch of kids hanging out in a train station, giving the, uh, the gentleman who sells newspapers there a hard time. And I went over there like a bull and just get the hell out of here, you know, in nice ways and all yeah. this other stuff. And I said, what am I doing? I was a 14-year-old kid who aimlessly hung around sometimes places. And I just totally went off on those kids without talking to them nice the first time. And I felt that was the stress building up from when I was, you know, attacked a few days before. And uh, that's that's just how it is. It's always going to be like that. And so, Of all the things you respond to. What's the most dangerous? Is it really the domestic violence call? That you that um, you the, hear that the National Police Association says that the most dangerous call to report, report to is domestic violence. I've been on plenty of domestic violence calls. There's just no communicating with these two people that are in these trans on each other. They're just on another planet. If they're very, my dangerous has been for me, uh, juveniles with handguns is my to me my dangerous thing. Mm. You as an officer, would you like to see it more difficult to get a handgun, or where are you on that? Um, I am an avid gun owner. I'm a gun lover, but I enjoy Massachusetts gun laws. I do. I think it's strict. I think it's great. I think you, the fact that you need to interview with your local police chief is great. The fact that it's it's difficult to get it, why not? I'm I'm for it, and I'm a like I said, I'm an avid gun owner, gun rights supporter. But I wish more places had. Like Massachusetts state it, law. Just like with anything else, it's a right. I mean, you kind of have to. Not everyone gets it. You need to deserve. You need to deserve. Well, they, I they, mean, to to drive a car. You, these there, guns, there are that, rules. the guns that I've caught kids with, in the Boston area, their guns aren't from Massachusetts. They're coming in from New Hampshire or down south. So. <clears throat> All right. One more time. The Boston Wounded Vets Run is May nineteen, and it goes from. Boston Harley-Davidson in Everett. See, I'm, rem I'm starting to remember this. To Anthony's. And what's the address on Anthony's? Because that's where people will go if they don't ride. Yeah, 105 Canal Street. You won't regret it coming. All right. And I, you know, you might see me there. John, you're going to be there again, right? www.theyfoughtweride.com. Right, right. And if you can't go, but you want to make a difference, you can just donate online. and uh, We could use it. Yeah, they could use it. Thanks so much. And uh, Thank you, Bradley. Thank you, Bradley. Yep, you're very welcome. Four years, buddy. So, that will be a podcast by 5 a.m. unless something goes totally haywire. And you can share that with, if, if you have a, well, a lot, I think law enforcement would be interested to hear what Andrew had to say. Any vets, you know, very interested to know. There's people out there that care. And it would be cool for you to show up at this event. I've gone and I don't any longer ride. I realized I was, I was not a good rider. I quit when I was ahead. And uh, so I just go and, and hang out. You got to find the bike that's right for you. Yeah, that's right. That's true. <laughs> I did not have a, a bike that was right. 
I did not have a bike that was right for me. You're right. It was kind of a an unwieldy bathtubby kind of bike. It was old. Well, that's that's a good point. And uh, we're going to continue now. Uh, we'll say goodbye to these folks. I'll go have a coffee, and in about six minutes we'll continue. And I'm not even sure what we'll talk about, but I got a stack of stuff that I can talk about, or maybe I'll just make something up in the next few minutes. That's how we roll here on Jay Talking. Oh yeah, I got a bone to pick with one of the listeners on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Strongwater Farm is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to improve the quality of life of children and adults with special needs by providing equine assisted activities and therapies. You can help and have fun doing it at the annual Derby themed fundraiser at the Tewksbury Country Club, Friday, May 3rd. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to strongwaterfarm.org. All proceeds will benefit Strongwater Farms programs. Information at strongwaterfarm.org. WBZ Boston, WXKS FM HD2 Medford, and iHeartRadio Station. Now, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.